0: Good morning. You're to be commended. We're back again. You keep inviting us and we love to come. We enjoy our fellowship with you. It was a beautiful spring day coming up today. Uh, Probably in March we'll be getting 80 and 90 degree weather. I'd like to talk to you this morning about learning to live at wit's end. And interestingly, that phrase is found in Scripture. If you turn to Psalm 107, beginning with verse 27 and going through verse 30. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wits' end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm, so that its waves are still. Then they are glad, because they are quiet, so he guides them to their desired haven. Growing up, I don't know how many times I heard my mother say, I think I'm at my wit's end. My younger siblings were such terrors. For 16 years while serving with the MARBC Fellowship, I had a sign on the entrance of my office door. It simply said, wit's end, wit's end. Now I'm sure that some of you probably have been at wit's end at some time or another. Basically, being at wit's end is simply an expression of how you feel when you've lost it. Or maybe you're very frustrated or you're stressed beyond normal. It could be you're there today. It might be a job situation. It might be a family issue. You've been without a pastor for... A year now and maybe some of you are just wondering well when is this going to happen and maybe sometimes you get frustrated years ago someone gave to me a stress test card and all you have to do is put your thumb on that little black box And if it turns blue, you're relaxed. If it turns green, it's calm. If it's red, you're tense. And if it turns out black, you're really stressed. So let's give it a test today, all right? I'm going to come down. This is test time at First Baptist Church. I think I'll start with Ralph because Ralph has the responsibility you know, of uh, getting pulpit supply and you just never know. Sometimes he doesn't know who to go to, so he calls the local Catholic church, you know, <laughs> and say, get some help. But uh, you'll help me by counting to ten. See that little black box? Just put your thumb on there and we'll see how you are this morning. All right, let's count. This One, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's red. You better. Uh, you're stressed, a little tense this morning. <laughs> just, just take a deep Thank breath and lie have. Down right here. <laughs> take a deep breath and have a seat there. Well, let's go to the other end of the age range. I see a couple of young men here. Let's see. uh What's your name? Um, my name's Nick. Hey, Nick. I'm Maynard. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. you go to school? Um, high school, not college. High school. Yeah, the 12th grade was the best three years of my life. <laughs> Let's try and see how he is this morning. Just put your thumb right on that black spot. Take a deep breath now. Okay. Let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine, ten. What color is that, honey? Green. Kind of a green. Wow, you're you're pretty red. calm today. Yeah. Mixed in with red. You're right on the borderline between calm and tense. It's probably because you didn't know I was going to do that. <laughs> well, let's see how the speaker is doing today. Let's count. One, two. Boy, do I need this message. (laughs) Well, God being omniscient knew that we would have days and times when we might feel frustrated. So he has such an expression in the Bible to encourage us. God has made full provision for us when we are at those times. We has. Uh, he has us covered, in other words, uh, if we will let him when we feel like we're living at wit's end. Verse 30 in the scripture says that his word can bring us into a quiet place and guide us to a safe haven. Paul, in the New Testament, at least four times, uses a Greek word which means in a tight corner or as we would say, uh, at wit's end. In the King James Version, that word is translated distress, and also in some other translations, the New King James that I am using, uh, translates it crushed uh, in the word that we will look at, sometimes restrained, sometimes difficulties. But each word gives us a valid picture of what it means to be at wit's end. It gives the impression of narrowness of place and distress rising from being hemmed in too closely. Are any of you uh, claustrophobic once in a while when you're in certain places? Some of you have that issue, and uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about today. If you feel like you're in a claustrophobic uh, situation, uh, you're tensed up, and uh, I want us to look this morning at these four New Testament passages and see how God always opens a way of escape. When we feel like we are living, we are living at wit's end. So this morning, it's going to be kind of a, a word study. First of all, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 11. I will read the first two verses, 7 and 8. And I want to remind us today that our partner in distress is Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. There's that word that we're looking at. We're not distressed, we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. In verse 8, that word crushed could be well translated "distress," and literally could be translated not completely cornered. And so Paul, in all of these things that he was going through, said, I'm not completely cornered, because he knew that he had Christ with him. And so when we are in such a place, we rem- must remember also that Jesus Christ is with us. He's our partner in distress. I read in verses 10 and 11. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Not only is Christ with us, but right this very moment, he's interceding for us. Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25 reminds us of that. Oh, that we would remember when we're going through difficult times that not only loved ones are interceding and praying for us, but the Lord Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father is also interceding for us. He knows just how to get us out of whatever corner we might be in. Verses 10 and 11 imply that Christ made it from death to life So he can do the same for us. And if he can get us from death to life, he certainly can get us out of distressing circumstances. No matter how complex the situation might be, how persevering, how depressing or how discouraging, our partner is Christ. And Christ can pull us through. I don't mind having a partner like that. Now if, I can only remember that when for some reason I'm at wit's end. We need to always keep in mind that we do have a partner that, and a partner is one that goes along beside you and he's always with you. Secondly, let me remind us today that our prescription for distress is his word. Second Corinthians six, four through 10. We have a prescription when we are distressed. In verse 4, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs, in distresses, there's that word that we're looking at, in stripes in imprisonments, in tumults and labors and sleeplessness and fastings, Verse 6, by the purity, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, that little phrase, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying And behold, we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Paul says, when I am in those distressful times, there is a prescription for me. And really, in verses 6 and 7, there are several things that are mentioned All of these resources are available to us, but I want to highlight just one. In verse 7, that's the word of truth. The word of truth. In the midst of a long list of hectic circumstances faced by Paul, this word distress surfaces once again. Literally again, it means when you are in tight corners, When you are hemmed in by hard circumstances, when you are at your wits end. Now when we find ourselves in such a place, our prescription for getting back on track is found in verses 6 and 7, again that little phrase, by the word of truth. Now we all know what prescriptions are for. They're to help us get better and they are to keep us well. Every week, sometimes more than once, we get a call from Meyer Pharmacy and uh, we make our way down to get a prescription. I have this pill box and I have the AMs and the PMs. Sometimes I get them flipped around and uh, that's a mess. But at our age, we have to have prescriptions. And I'm glad that we are able to have them. I think they've kept us alive, some of us, under adverse circumstances. i uh seen we do have a pharmacist, I don't know, Anne laughed at my jokes. But there was this man that ran into the pharmacy and he went up to the pharmacy. Pharmacist said, what do you have to take care of hiccups? And the pharmacist slapped him in the face. He said, Well, why did you do that for? Uh, I said, Your hiccups are cured, aren't they? And then he said, I don't have the hiccups, but my wife's out in the car and she still does. (laughs) I don't ever slap anyone for that. His word is always our remedy for being at wits' end. And we must learn to depend upon this word. Let me tell you the story of Margie. I first met her at the Christian League for the Handicapped. That's a ministry in Walworth, Wisconsin, for physically handicapped people. And when I first met Margie, she had multiple sclerosis. This wonderful ministry is a residential home and retreat center for physically handicapped people. It really takes the place of the church for many, because if you were to walk onto their campus, you would see that some of them were so grotesque in their appearance that they didn't like to get out even of home. But they could come here, and this was a comfortable surrounding for them. They had peers, and some of them lived there. Others just came for the week or two. And I had the privilege of being the Bible teacher and the pastor for a week. I had the privilege of being there several times. Now, Margie was nearly through nursing school when she contracted multiple sclerosis, But in a sense, that was good because a friend invited her to church and she trusted Christ as her Savior as a result of her illness. She was about 25 years old when I first met her and she was already confined to a wheelchair. Well, this camp, like even youth camps, they'd have a a fun night and then they had a, a musical request night. Uh, Margie had never sung publicly before, and she wanted to sing her testimony. And she asked if, if I would sing with her in case she stumbled with the words, because her speech was beginning to stumble. It really was one of the most emotional times of my life, because I was still a relatively young pastor at that time, and I would known very few trials in my life. And the song that she wanted to sing really was quite moving. And so on bended knee with her stammering tongue and my quivering voice, this is what we say: I thank God for the mountains and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Some of you may even know that chorus. You could sing it with me. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God Through it all, through it all I have learned to depend upon His Word. Well, two years later, I returned to the Christian League for the Handicap, but Margie wasn't there. Her health had deteriorated so quickly that they had placed her in a nursing home in Milwaukee. I was able to get a phone call for that nursing home, so when we arrived back to our own home, I called. By this time, Margie was not able to speak. She was totally confined, bedridden. But the nurse said, I will put the phone up to her ear. And she won't be able to respond, maybe with some sounds, but then you can talk to her. And so I said, Margie, this is Pastor Belt. Do you remember the song that we sang together at the camp? And there was a sound to indicate that she had. And I said, are you still depending upon his word? And she indicated the best she could that she was. And so we had a word of prayer together. I told her that Ann and I loved her. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her once again in glory. But in her illness, Margie had discovered the right prescription. Only his word can lift us above our circumstances. And when we are at wit's end, or even at the end of life as Margie was, we can depend upon this word. The third thing I will share with you this morning is that we have a provision in distress. We have not only a partner, Jesus Christ, a prescription, the word of God, but we have a provision in distress And that's grace. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. It's a familiar passage, I'm sure, to many of you. But once again, I want us to notice that we find this word within this text. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me. Paul is speaking A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You must have that underlined in your Bible. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather Boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in what? In distresses. There's that word again. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So in verse 10, Paul says, I take pleasure... In being in distress. I, I take pleasure in being at wit's end. Jesus, his Lord and Master, said something similar to that in Hebrews 12 too, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? Well... We know that he was looking forward to going back to be with the Lord, but between that privilege and where he was, he had to go through Calvary. And for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, dear friend. The key is why are you in such a particular situation? Why might you be maybe today at wit's end or you feel like you're in a corner somewhere? Are you there because of your own self-centeredness? Or are you there for Christ's sake? Sometimes we get there because we are out of God's will. And we're running the show. Well... That's a little different. We're not able to handle it. But we find that if we are in God's will, and it doesn't mean that we're exempt from all these terrible things that happen to everybody in life. I've just lost too many friends, I think, too early. I don't understand why certain things happen to certain people. But I understand that if you're walking with Christ, there is grace that will carry you through. Paul was in this particular circumstance for Christ's sake and he found a provision to help him. And that provision was God's unlimited grace. Paul found that when he was weak, he was really strong. For in his weakness or in his inability to cope... He discovered God's grace and strength. Margie found that. Joni Tata Erickson, Johnny Erickson, we all know of her, can't imagine. But oh, how God has used her. His grace is always sufficient for whatever the situation is. God well knows that only when we are at wit's end can he do what's best for us. We often talk about grace, but I wonder how often do we take advantage of that grace that he's given to us. Had Annie Johnson Flint been around in Paul's day, I think he would have liked this one song. I'm not going to sing any more to you. But she wrote, he giveth more grace When the burden grows greater, he sendeth more strength. When the labors increase to added affliction, he addeth his mercy mercy to multiplied trials. His multiplied peace, his love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus... He giveth and giveth and giveth again. So our provision in distress is his strength and his grace. God sends trials not to impair us, but to improve us. He doesn't take us into deep waters to drown us, but to develop us. When I was in the Detroit area pastor, I I was so privileged to have the opportunity to speak in chapel for some of the professional baseball teams and football teams and then as now the Lions never were a winning team. I'm a lion so I'm a diehard tiger and a die lion and I die every year. <laughs> but I remember the football team was having an especially bad season and uh, I was speaking in chapel I could speak in chapel and still get back to my church in time to preach on Sunday morning and Monty Clark was the uh, coach during those days and he was a professing believer and uh, because they never sold out. The games were never televised in Detroit, so for six years I actually never saw a game on TV. Uh, They gave me free tickets uh, when I would speak as an honorarium so uh, we could go see a game once in a while, but so I'd listen to it on the radio. I'd plant myself on the sofa and I'd turn on the radio and listen to the Tigers and Boy, they just, after that one Sunday morning, I had spoken in chapel. My messages really didn't do anything for them as far as winning. But, uh, oh, they got plastered. So I wrote a note uh, to Monty Clark. And this is just one little thing that I had, had put in this note let me see if I can find it here again. He doesn't take us into deep waters to drown us, but to develop us. And interestingly, in a couple of weeks, I got a letter from him thanking me for that little statement because he was just going into a firestorm, that is, meeting with all of the sports broadcasters. And uh, for some reason, that encouraged him just a little bit. We know that uh, when we get at wit's end, we need grace. But there's sufficient grace for any need that you might have. A friend of mine says that grace is God's best idea. Uh, That's a good statement, but it certainly gives us the best coverage also. don't have time this morning uh, even to give you the text but it's an interesting study. You can do it on your own in looking up all of the references to grace, but we find that we have saving grace, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We have strengthening grace. We find it in this text. We have sustaining grace. We have serving grace, grace that will help us to serve. Sometimes a Sunday school teacher, they They ask them to teach, uh, and they think they're just going to teach for maybe a year or a semester, not till Jesus comes. And so, you know, they need grace to serve. Standing grace, singing grace, Colossians 3.16, and speaking grace. There's grace throughout the scriptures for whatever we need. God giveth more grace when the burden grows greater. Well, let me share the last point with you. Our promise in distress. Our promise in distress. Our partner in distress is Christ. And our prescription in distress would be the word of God. Our, we uh, mentioned our provision is grace. Our promise in distress, and we see this word once again in Romans eight thirty five 35-39. And our promise in distress is no separation. I had not heard the last chorus that we sung this morning, but uh, the words were confirming that wonderful truth that there isn't really anything that separates us. So, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or, there's that word, distress? Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake. We are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, it just can't get any better than that. As we read verse 35 again, who shall separate us? And Paul gives this long list of things. Even death will not separate those who are in Christ. And that's the key. And I don't know you this morning all that well. always enjoy coming and visiting with you in the Word of God. But maybe you're here this morning and you need to ask yourself, am I in Christ? If I am in Christ, it will never get so bad that He will leave you. He will take you right into His presence in that last day. There is and never will be even any tight corner or wits' end experience that will separate us from Christ in all things, even distresses, as Paul uses this word. We are more, we can be more than conquerors through Christ. Now that's a promise. You can take to the bank. bank. In fact, you don't even have to take it to the bank. It's already included and available with that grace that brings us to Christ. This promise really means much to a person dying of cancer, losing a job, burying a loved one. I love that hymn, I am his and he is mine. 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. Even going through the difficult times of life, he prepares what we need. We need to keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus. Standing at wit's corner? I don't know about you today, and it's just a, I guess, just a little phrase, but it's in the Scripture. I found it there. And uh I've been there. Most of us probably have. If you haven't been there, you will. That's also a promise. It's inevitable in this sinful world in which we live. And I just want you to remember today that When you are at that place where Paul was time and time again, you have a wonderful partner, and that's Jesus Christ. And you have a prescription, you have the word of God. And the provision there is his grace, his unending grace. And you have a promise that he'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. I came across a poem that was simply entitled Wits End Corner. And I thought it's very appropriate, so I'm going to read that just before we close in prayer. Are you standing at Wits End Corner, standing with troubled brow? Are you thinking of what is before you and all you are bearing now? Does all the world seem against you and you in the battle alone? Remember, at wit's end corner is just where God's power is shown. Are you standing at wit's end corner, blinded with wearying pain, feeling you cannot endure it, you cannot bear the stain, bruised through the constant suffering, dizzy and dazed and dumb? Remember, at wit's end corner is where Jesus loves to come. Are you standing at wit's end corner, then you're just in the very spot to learn the wondrous resources of him who faileth not. No doubt to a brighter pathway your footsteps will soon be moved, but only at wit's end corner is the God who is able proved. There's so much heartache in our world today. Breaks my heart when there are some that think there's no better way than to get out of this world, and they do it on their own. The heartache that is in homes, neighborhoods where you are, again, maybe here in the church. The answers to encourage us are found in this book. Father, we thank you for the word. What would we do without it? It means so very much to us. And we have not only the word, but we have you to look to. And so I pray once again today that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus. And while we sing, would you work in our hearts and do what is necessary to be what you want us to be. And be accessible to all that you have to give to us for Jesus' sake. Amen.